Hey everyone, this is Paloma Contreras. Welcome to our first episode of The Style Files, Conversations with Creatives. I'm so thrilled to have you joining us here today because we have a very special guest who not only happens to be one of the most celebrated designers in the US, but he is also one of my dearest friends, Mark D. Sykes. Mark D. Sykes is an esteemed interior designer and tastemaker working on projects throughout the United States. He's known for all American sensibilities and a fresh take on classical aesthetics. Mark has a talent for creating beautiful and timeless interiors that embody an indoor-outdoor lifestyle similar to his own in Los Angeles. Mark's work has been featured in AD, Veranda, El Decor, House Beautiful, The Wall Street Journal, Milieu, and Domino. His rooms for the Kipps Bay Show House in New York, Greystone in Beverly Hills, the Southern Living Show House in Birmingham, and the Coastal Living Show House in Newport have been much celebrated. Mark has partnered with the best manufacturers in furniture and fabric to develop his signature product lines, including Chaddock, Sewn, Hudson Valley Lighting, Schumacher, Annie Selke, Troy Lighting, Merida, and Blue Pheasant. His first book, Beautiful, was a New York Times bestseller, and his highly anticipated new book from Rizzoli will be debuting this September. So we're so excited to hear about all of these new things that Mark has in the works and to see what he's been up to lately. I hope that you'll join me in welcoming him today. Hi, Mark. Hi, Paloma. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Good. Well, we're so excited to have you today. I'm so excited to do this. How fun. Well, good. I know. I thought it'd be fun to have some conversations with some fellow creatives who are doing exciting things, especially in this time um, when we find ourselves with a little bit of extra time on our hands and really needing some inspiration. So I know that our listeners will be so excited to hear from you today. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Of course. So tell us a little bit about yourself, because you've been around as a designer and as Mark D. Sykes, as everybody knows you for at least a decade now, which is crazy to think, but you didn't start out in design. You began your career in the retail world. So tell us a little bit about that experience and then how you eventually crossed (laughs) over into design. Sure. Well, actually, when I was out of college, I went to University of Illinois and I studied um, economics and finance. So anyone who knows me uh, (laughs) probably knows that's probably not the best uh, fit. So um, my parents at the time were living in Nashville, Tennessee. So when I graduated, so I moved home, quickly realized I didn't want to do all the interviewing for those particular types of positions. So I, um, loving fashion, loving interiors, loving anything design related, I went and got a job at a Banana Republic store uh, in the mall that was near the house. And I started out as like a greeter at the door. Um, I was also waiting tables, just kind of like, you know, in that stage of trying to figure out who I was and what I wanted to do. Um, Very quickly at Banana Republic, I, you know, really enjoyed the store environment. I enjoyed the fashion. I enjoyed um, the merchandising component of it. So, you know, long story short, I worked throughout many, many stores. And then soon I was like, from a visual perspective, I was leading a group of stores in the Tennessee area. Then I moved to Atlanta and I started leading like the whole region of stores, which probably was around 250 stores at the time. Wow. Compassed um, most of the South and the Southeast. Um, And then a couple years later, I was um, offered an opportunity to come to corporate here in California and San Francisco. So with Banana Republic. So I uh, moved to San Francisco. Um, I had never been to California in my life and um, started a 10 year career at corporate um, and started a visual merchandising. But throughout the way I started, you know, I did lots of marketing. I did store design. At one point I was the head stylist. I was in New York working with a design team on concepting. Um, I led a really large team of people, um, so I was able to really, um, I think the one thing I want to say, say about the Banana, Banana Republic, and specifically the Gap, the Gap mm-hmm. of Banana Republic, is that they really taught creative people how to um, execute. And I think that that's a, I think that is really the one thing I've taken with me, is to really understand having a creative vision and having creativity is amazing, but you really need to be able to execute it, and execution um, you know, entails marketing, entails strategy, and it entails storytelling. So, you know, there was a lot. So um, those experiences, um, I think, really helped launch me into what I'm doing today and really, more importantly, really um, paved the way for us to be successful at what we're doing today. So um, 
long story short, again, when we moved, the reason, the way I got into interior design is when we left, when I, we moved away from San Francisco, we moved to Los Angeles. I decorated our home um, as I did all of our homes. And um, it, just, it got published in House Beautiful. And it wasn't one of those situations where we submitted pictures. It was one of these position uh, situations where someone came and saw the house um, that knew someone in House Beautiful, loved it. Quick, you know, they came, they shot it, ended up being on the cover. And um, that's how the design business was birthed. Um, and when I, I always say it's kind of one of those things, I guess it was just meant to be um, because you couldn't like make that happen. It just right. um, was meant to be. So that's kind of what, um, and I think all of us kind of, you know, I think you, it's all about time and place and situation. And I was kind of ready to do something different. I was mentally prepared to like, take my creativity and do something different with it. So um, it all just worked out. Sure. I, I mean, I think what you're saying about timing is so important because clearly you've had this talent and the passion for interiors all along. I know that it's something you've always enjoyed, but I guess the stars just aligned when you made it to LA and were in that beautiful house and everybody um, sort of recognized the talent. Now, as you crossed over, obviously things happened from an outside perspective, fairly quickly. So you landed on the cover of House Beautiful. And at that point, you'd already started your <clears throat> blog. Um, but had you start, you hadn't established a design firm necessarily. The phone just started ringing, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I do think, I, I don't want to downplay um, what the blog had a lot to do with this. I think that mm-hmm. I started my blog in 2011. And it was kind of like a personal thing for me just to be able to like, um, take all the things that I love that I found inspiring, whether it was people, places or things and, and catalog it in some type of like daily journal for me specific. I was more of a personal thing. And then it turned into something I think um, that people really enjoyed. And um, I do think that along with the house, beautiful article was the way of my name and what we did and kind of, I guess more of our aesthetic, how it kind of um, circulated and um, how things probably contributed to things moving so rapidly. Sure. And in those beginning sort of early years, was it hard for you to sort of figure out the the back end of the design firm? Because obviously you had um, a really strong point of view and understood how an interior should come together. But in terms of running a business, would you say that there were challenges in the beginning that you sort of had to figure out along the way? Well, I think there were scary things in the beginning that yeah. were kind of... Um, that I allowed myself to be scared about, but obviously were super easy with whether it was like samples and where to get them and how to like contact, you know, resources, just fundamental things I did not know. The design, um, I think the design thing became, came, was intuitive and then the organization and the structure that goes along with this business, which I believe is like 85% of it, the details, the, um, the processes and the systems um, was just a part of who I was just because of my background. So um we work in a very organized manner, the mm-hmm. way we approach design and um, all the things I had learned in retail, I just brought over from a process standpoint and system standpoint. And it's, um, you know, fundamentally merchandising a store is not really that much different than decorating a living room. I mean, it's all, I mean, the, the main components and the things you have to think about are all the same. Um, so I think that the, um, the structure and the organization was what, probably, um, you know, allowed us to be, set us up to be successful um, so quickly. Tell us a little bit more about your design process. Where do you like to begin your projects? Is it with the fabrics, the floor plan? What is the impetus for you? Well, the first, you know, is the client, you know, lots of questions, lots of interviewing, lots of like conversations and really trying to pull from them if they don't have it already. Um, what their story, like find out what their story for themselves is and their home and, you know, what they want it to look and feel like. Um, I always start with the floor plan and then I'm, then I shift to like fabrics, key fabrics and color. So we always present, you know, working with the architect and with the client floor plans to the client and we kind of start there. And then um, we have a fabric and a color meeting, which is mostly around paint and key fabrics. Um, throughout the whole house. I definitely firmly believe that a house should have a story or a home should have a story and that each room should flow 
um, seamlessly with one another. And I, I doesn't, doesn't mean that rooms can't be interesting. I just don't think they should be jarring. So I think that, that, that first pass at a palette and a mood and a feel and a fabric direction is super important. And then that, you know, then when we do our next um, big meeting, which is really, really specific furniture, specific fabrics, specific trim, specific um, uh, lighting, specific everything, um, then they feel like they've been a part of the process, which they have been, and it makes that meeting go much, so much smoother. Um, we always leave openings throughout our floor plans for antiques and things that we want to find mm -hmm. over the course of the project. <clears throat> so there's many layers to the creative process. And then, you know, we do, you know, we've always in the past done everything very old school with like mood boards and in-person meetings. And obviously the, what we're living in today, the last couple of weeks and, um, what the foreseeable future, we are going to be shifting to more of a, uh, digital slash zoom create a presentation if you will pdfs right um, where we can um so we're going to be learning a lot through this process and um you know figuring out how to keep um all of our processes intact we just might have to do them a little bit differently sure i think we're all sort of figuring out how to pivot and make things as engaging for clients as possible but obviously not having the tangible object in front of you. And I guess, you know, you can send care packages and whatnot so that they can still touch and feel everything. But I think it's so interesting that you break up your presentation, if you will, into three stages with the floor plan, fabrics and color story, and then the actual specific pieces. That must be empowering for the client because then they are so much more invested in the process and it's also so smart for you because you can help them to envision where it's going early on and then I would imagine you're less apt to have any major edits along the way because they've been involved the whole time. Yeah I think it's a psychological thing but I also think it's a reality thing. I think that people if you spend more than two hours on anything you lose people Mm -hmm. Um, and I think we try to like do it in chunks where, um, it's efficient, um, it's exciting, um, it's fun. And I think, you know, we having them long for more. I mean, that's what, you know, I think that's where, you know, this, the real success comes from is the, you know, you, you haven't, you haven't overly immersed them where they just want more. Um, and you know, that's been something that we have learned across the way. It wasn't necessarily how we've always done it. It's been a, a gradual learning process. We also, you know, all of our homes are just different sizes and different scales. But, um, you know, we do do some huge projects and it's just way too much information to um, put into one meeting or one, um, one interface. Um, so we've learned to break it up. And I think that... Um, it keeps the creativity going and keeps them engaged in the process. And um, it's been successful for us so far. I think that's so smart. I'm going to have to try that sometime. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, what are your indispensable design elements? I think we know because you are a brilliant storyteller, what, you know, several things are that you absolutely love, but what would you say in your words for a design project specifically for client work? What do you think is indispensable? What should every house have? Well, I think every house should reflect the client and feel like home to them. And I think that's um, the art of what we do. You know, we want it to reflect what they love and what they find beautiful and um, maybe the things that they're bringing to the table with them that they've had for over the years. And then they obviously reach out to um, us for a reason. Every client reaches out to a particular designer for the reason is because they, they, you know, respect what they do and they want something of that magic that they're known for to um, come into their home as well. So it's that kind of taking what, you know, you know, they love and want to see and mixing it with what we do. I mean, there are a lot of fundamental things. I think every house, you know, work, I would say should have, but it works um, in every home. I love natural fiber rugs. I love striped durries. I love, you know, I don't like fabrics and colors just specifically completely match. You know, we like mixing faded, you know, um, prints and with more vibrant prints in every room. Um, there's scale of fabrics. You know, there always should be a solid. There always should be a geo. There always should be a large print, a small print. Um, I love boxes, English boxes, um, Anglo-Indian boxes. I love hurricanes. I love, of course, uh, blue and white. Um, I love... Um, baskets you know 
serve many purposes throughout homes, whether it's for magazines or for logs or for throws. Um, there are fundamental things that I think just work in every home. I think there are fundamental things that also work in any style of home, which is also super important. Um, whether it's, you know, a ranch or a, more of a country style house or more of a formal city house or whether it's a beach house or whether it's a more modern clean house. These, there's just elements that I personally love that I think can um, translate into any type of environment. Well, sure. I think those, those things that are style staples are exactly that for a reason because they always work regardless of the environment. They can go modern or traditional, a little bit more glamorous and formal or can be dressed down. Yeah. Speaking of things that you love and find beautiful, who are some of your style icons? <laughs> well, that's, uh, that's a tough question. Well, it's not a tough question. That's a question that I could just go on and on and on. Okay, so lately, who's been, <laughs> who, who have been your most recent muses that you're going back to right now? Well, I think I think the, my, the biggest style of icon for me across the board is Jackie Kennedy, of course. Not only, you know, the way she dressed and her manners and her, um, uh, you know, love of the arts and, you know, the way she curated her homes and just the way she lived her life, I think is, um, um, I find it completely fascinating. And it's amazing because I just keep becoming more and more fascinated about it. Um, I think that there are, when I think about style icons, there's three particular gentlemen that I have always looked to ever since I was a small child. I remember, you know, looking at, you know, maybe eight or nine, looking at like an Oscar de la Renta gown and a picture of him next to a model and just being like, oh my God, that's so glamorous. So um, Bill Blass, Iber Gavinci, Duke Gavinci and um, Oscar de la Renta have always um, inspired me, not just because of their fashion brands they created. Um, and if you will, you could just, you could say they're kind of all American, even though I know, you know, Oscar is, you know, you know, more South American and Givenchy's more French, but there is this kind of like um, timeless quality to all their work, but also their homes, the way they lived, um, their, the way they decorated, the way they, their lifestyles. So I, I always kind of look to them, I think, for inspiration, you know, whether, you know, gardening or interiors, whatever it might be. And I just think it's interesting that they're all three fashion designers and they're not interior designers, but um, they're, their lives move me their stories move me too you know their success the stories of their success and um all the muses that they, they had so um i think if i had to pick you know three that i would mm -hmm. make sure that <laughs> that came across in the, this conversation or any conversation those would be <laughs> so mark you stopped it's funny that you mentioned that because i know that you still use your instagram and you have a couple of instagrams mark at mark d sykes and then your mark d sykes interiors um instagram as well and they serve slightly different purposes i feel like your personal instagram has sort of taken the place of your blog since you've stopped writing the blog would you say that that's true because it feels like it reads sort of like a mood board and i i still feel like you're telling us a story through your instagram is that intentional well yes my well first first question to your question about is it kind of like um more of like a mood board it is i think that mm -hmm. the per the marky sykes Instagram is more of like what's in my mind at the moment and what I'm finding beautiful, whether it's a person or fashion or a garden or, you know, even something that I personally might wear or, or a, a moment in time, like what we're going through right now. There's so much beauty that, you know, in, in our darkest days that can be shared and communicated and highlighted and it's, it's again, I don't, it's not a selfish thing, but it really is for me, you know, it's just a way of me being able to like the blog was to share the things that I love. The interiors one is definitely more focused on our projects and around our process and around our collaborations and around, you know, that kind of thing. I feel like I struggled for so long. Um, you know, I don't want to come across in anything that I do with self-promotional or all about me. So, you know, you want to like, you know, separate. I had to feel like I needed to separate some of the material because you didn't want to like always be posting like the chairs you designed or the fabric you designed. Mm -hmm. It's almost like, you know, but you want to be able to highlight it because that's, you know, it's important to use these, um, um, these area, these platforms to do that. Um, so, yes, I've separated them. I think hopefully it's super clear kind of what they are, but 
I always go back to in everything that I do, you know, I have to be passionate about it and I have to love it. I'm not going to post anything on either of them um, just for followers or just because I think it's what people want to see. I think it's, um, it's just truly what I love and um, it's what I've always loved. And um, I, you know, I used to have a Tumblr. It was so funny. I, I was just did this the other day because I have way too much time on my hands, but I used to have a Tumblr and I went back about 10 years ago. I started Tumblr when I was doing my blog and I went back and I looked at the images and they were just all so beautiful, like still, like so familiar to me. And there, there was not one, one of them that felt trendy or of the moment. It was every single one of them. I'm like, oh my God, I got to archive these and use these again because they're all so fantastic. And they all were just people, places and things again. And um, it was just a real testament to me, that moment of like, oh God, I really just do love the same things. And time changes, we change, we evolve, we grow, but... I think the things that we find beautiful um, are personal and those really will never go away. So um. That's so cool. I, I don't think I realized you had ever had a Tumblr. I'm going to have to Google that. <laughs> but um, one of the things that I think is so unique about you is that you really do have a true authenticity about you. And, you know, the things that you talk about that you find inspiration from that you showcase in your work all of those elements truly are at the core very much what you love and have always loved Mm -hmm. and you know I always say that you're a brilliant designer because you are but you're an equally gifted marketer you have a really special gift and you touched on that earlier in terms of your retail career and how that sort of shaped your point of view and the way that you execute things and it sounds now hearing that story that it's really helped you in terms of creating this this brand because you're so brilliant. Not everybody has this skill to be able to become synonymous with something such as an all-American aesthetic. I think when people who are design enthusiasts in 2020 think of blue and white, they think of Mark D. Sykes. And it's not because you invented blue and white, but because, you know, you authentically and genuinely love it. um, And we're so smart about the way that you were telling stories on social media and in your work. And so it just became authentically part of your brand and that DNA. Do you feel that tapping into the things that you're passionate about helps you to define that brand? Yeah, I mean, I don't think there was ever, at the beginning of all this, there wasn't some conscious effort to build a brand, for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, there wasn't, there wasn't even a glimmer of, like, a possibility. Um, it started with a blog, and the blog was focused around the things that I love. It was around architecture and glamorous people and beautiful gardens and color stories. And, you know, you know, if you go back to my archive of my blog, I mean, I was talking about stripes and checks and chintz. I mean, I was just talking about all the things that I loved. And over time, there were certain things that became even more focused on um, with social media. Like I would post a lot of pictures of blue and white. So one day I was like, oh, well, you know, I should, everyone's doing hashtags. Maybe I come with a blue and white forever hashtag. And, you know, these, these stories or big white houses or whatever have formulated, um, over time, but it's been super authentic. And what's the word? I think it's been, um, um, uh, I don't know. It's kind of like, it kind of presents itself and it's just there and not that it was completely thought of. Um, I do think now that we're more of a brand and we have products and we have interiors and we have, you know, press or whatever, there is a common link to everything that we do, hopefully. Um, and there's a bigger, broader story that's being told. And I think you, you know, you said it all American, just it's about all American design and classic timeless interiors. And then underneath that, obviously there's all these components of that that are super important. And then I think the third thing is, I hope there's an optimism about it, you know, and I think that that's, you know, our job is to create beautiful interiors for our clients, but they're, you know, that an environment where they're happy, but I also feel that I have a responsibility to um, provide some optimism in this world where there doesn't seem to be so much sometimes. Um, And that comes from the heart. My father was a preacher. So I think there's a part of me that, (laughs) you know, I wasn't called to like (laughs) preach, but maybe I was, you know, had the sense of responsibility to like, you know, um, you know, shed a positive light on things. And I truly believe without a doubt that beauty can, you know, heal and it can unite and it can, you know, bring us together. And, um, I think that there's a bigger, broader, even spiritual message to all this too. 
Um, and that's not me just saying that's, I just truly feel that way. And I think it resonates with people and it resonates with all types of people. And, um, you know, I think that's important. I agree with you. I think that that's so important. You know, beauty really is such a respite for all of us from whatever we're dealing with. Um, and it provides, I think, hope. So it's important to create that. And I, I do think I will testify to the fact that, um, your work does feel very optimistic, even in the most formal spaces that I've seen of yours, they never feel stuffy. There's never any sense of pretension. It always feels so welcoming and just all around happy. I think mm-hmm. your, your spaces are really cheerful and have a lot of personality and exuberance. Thank you. So that definitely comes through. And, um, it's interesting because again, just circling back, I think all of this is just so authentically, genuinely who you are, but it's so fascinating to me to see how, in my opinion, an entire generation has sort of picked up on these things that you've shared as your favorites (laughs) for so long. I swear, I, I really think that part of this whole grand millennial moment is due in fact due in part to lovers of Mark D. Sykes for sure. That's funny. (laughs) We'll have to take a poll. Um, Well, speaking of your brand, you have several signature lines, including lighting for Hudson Valley, rattan for sewn fabrics with Schumacher rugs with Merida tabletop for blue pheasant bedding and rugs with Annie Selkie. And, um, sorry, you have something coming out with Chattic very soon here. Do you approach product design differently than you do the design of a home? How, how does it vary the process of designing product versus designing a home? Well, I think that obviously a home is, um, it needs to reflect the client and it's a super specific thing. Um, however, it does need to be approachable and inviting and comfortable and all the things that we find fundamentally important. Um, product design, um, I think it's just more of a commercial thing where you want it to be, you know, approachable and for people to be able to like feel that it's inviting and they can participate, participate in it and that they um, can, um, you know, um, use it and, you know, can be, be a part of it. And I think there's a bigger, broader story with all of our brand licensing that we're trying to tell, which is this all American timeless sensibility. And we've been uh, very fortunate to like, you know, dabble in lots of components of lifestyle whether it's tabletop or furniture or fabric or lighting you know so we're super um um, excited to have that opportunity um i think the biggest fulfillment comes when i have all these like subcategories and when i can look at them all like together in some type of space you know and how they kind of all intermingle and work together so um that um I do approach it differently. I mean, I think my, the business side of me shifts into like, you know, what's sellable. And I have a kind of a knack for being able to understand um, what's, I can separate in my mind what I think is beautiful and sellable, but what I think is beautiful, that's not sellable, you know? So I think there's, a, well, sure. there's a, at a, that's not easy. I think that's like all those years being involved in merchandising a banana um, has been helpful. Well, that's really smart, too, because I feel like for a lot of people, there would be a little bit of ego involved where you get really hooked on to an idea and are so personally in love with it that you want to see it made and taken to the market. But you have to have that other side where you understand, you know, what's marketable, what people are going to be able to buy and use without it looking so much like you where they can, if you know, if it's another designer, they can incorporate it into their work and have it feel seamless. So that, that takes a smart person for sure. Well, and I, I, think think that, I think that function is really important too. It's like, you know, when we're sorting our lighting collections or we're sorting our fabric collections or whatever it might be, you know, we look at everything, like not just individually, we look at it as a story and, you know, you sit there and you think, okay, are there too many lanterns here? Are there too many flush mounts? And do we have the right amount of flush mounts that you would use in like spaces that you would use a flush mount? Do we have the right bathroom one? Do we have the right kitchen one? You know, do you have... You know, it's a very, um, you know, we know as decorators what we use uh, and what we can't find. And I think that's always where I first start. It's like, what's, what am I always wanting that I can't find? Um, and what will I use over and over and over again? Exactly. That's very smart. So you have another exciting collection debuting soon. You've partnered with heritage furniture maker Chattuck Home on a line of furniture. Tell us a little bit about this collection and what we can expect 
Well, I'm really excited about it. And I'm excited about everything I do. But for some reason, this um, this whole process has been really enjoyable. And um, Chaddock is an amazing partner because they're, their, their attention to detail and the quality, the work that they do and where they're like centrally located in North Carolina has um, been really easy. They do less things overseas. So they've been just really easy to work with. And I think it's attributed to the fact that they've been in the business for a hundred years and they really know about American, American furniture. Um, so I feel like I've learned a lot and um, we've created, we've created some really magnificent products. So um I think, you know, that, you know, when you do any type of collection, you have a limited amount of skew count. You have to do as much as you can with it. And I am so proud of the assortment, you know, and, you know, the need, you know, the, the function of the pieces and, you know, how they'll, how they'll be, how they'll be presented. But I also know how you can move things around and put new finishes on things and what you can do to it that you can, you know, make it feel all completely new and fresh. And, um, also, each of these individual pieces have a sensibility to them that I think is really unique um, and special, but I also think that they can work into any decorator design scheme. They can work into any retailer's retail shop. I think they have that ability to kind of intermingle with things that people already might have, and I think that's super important. I don't expect people to come in and buy our whole dining room set or buy our whole um, bedroom set. I expect them to buy some pieces that they fall in love with and mix them in. And this collection is less about lifestyle and more about ideas and more about specific items. Um, and um, yeah, there's going to be a really amazing story that we're going to be telling with this collection. Actually, it's a story that has so many legs um, that we can, you know, keep telling it over and over in different ways. Um, so I'm thrilled about it. I'm um, also thrilled about, you know, you know, it's different because High Point Market's been delayed and our, our, our collection starts in the spring and that's normally we would debut it. So it's challenging us to come up with different ways of launching something. So are you still launching digitally or will you debut in the in the fall now? No, we are going to go ahead and launch because, you know, the product's ready to go and there's no reason why we shouldn't launch. There's no reason why we can't do it. We're going to do it in a different way that no one's ever mm -hmm. done before. Um, so... You know, again, it's a challenge, and I think you know, being I think being unique in the marketplace is super important, um, and doing things differently is super important. I think a lot of my career in general has been built on this, you know, approaching things differently, doing things differently, um, and we'll see how it goes. But I think it'll be successful. Well, I'm so excited. I've seen a, a few sneak peeks, and there are so many pretty silhouettes. There's a chair in particular that I can't recall. I, I might have seen it on Chaddock's Instagram, but they did. They showed something that was so clever where you had one chair shown three different ways. And it felt entirely different from one to the next because just by tweaking those details, you can just personalize it so much. Yeah, I'm glad you picked up on that. Well, the one, one big aspect of the collection is the customization feature where you can you know, pick your piece and do multiple things with it to make it completely your own. I think we're living in a day and age when we want people, people want to have unique things that they are specifically made for them. You know, they might not have the ability to go out and have a custom like, you know, upholster or do all the furniture, but we have the ability to at least give them some, um, give them some different things that they can like mix and match in to make it their own. So there is a whole customization feature that I think um, is going to be really fun um, to share and to for people to see um and to your point i think each of the little things make the make it look so different i mean everything is so beautiful i'm so so proud of the quality and um you know the silhouettes and um you know the bigger broader um story that we're going to be telling with it wonderful that's so exciting i can't wait to see it and speaking of exciting debuts, your much-anticipated second book, More Beautiful, All-American Decoration, will be released on September 1st, and it's currently available for pre-order. Tell us a little bit about your second book and how it expands upon the first book, or if it's completely different. What can we expect? Well, um, it's a continuation of the story. I think that the if you, if you, know, you know anyone who knows my work or knows me knows that I don't really um, we are too far off course. So, um, it's a continuation of, you know, the first book, which was, you know, um, we were just shocked by the success of it. So there was something about that book that resonated with people. So I think that there'll be things that seem familiar, but there's also going to be a lot of new things and a lot of interesting, um, ideas instead of the, the this book being broken up by color story, this book is broken up by styles of homes. 
Um, so there's a country chapter and a coastal chapter and a traditional chapter and a Mediterranean chapter. And this whole idea that it doesn't matter what style of home you have, um, you know, or where the house is, that there's, there's these fundamental things um, or essential things that I feel like, you know, can work in any style of home. It kind of just goes back to what we were saying earlier. Um, but, you know, it's more about just inspiring people and, you know, it, it's about the details. And, you know, this book has so many pictures. And I think there's a thousand pictures in this book. It's like wow. kind of unbelievable amount of pictures. <laughs> and um, there's so many details. And, you know, um, you know, if you, I don't know, like, impress and in other books you know you open up a book and there's a big picture of a living room and you know you don't necessarily see all the details of it so um you know we really want people to like you know um uh to be able to have a richer experience um and um, we're excited about it you know um it's going to be an interesting time to launch a book um the fall but i think now more than ever people need to be inspired and um people need to be surround themselves with beauty and hopefully it will help. Well, my hope is that this whole situation will be behind us sooner rather than later. And my hope, my dream really is that when this is all said and done, I think people are going to be so hungry for inspiration to get out and be supportive and, you know, basically devour everything that they can, whether it's the Kip Space Show House, when that comes to fruition or all of the new books that will be released this year. I think people are going to really, really, really want fresh new ideas more than ever before. So my hope is that for everybody debuting things this year, that in the end, it turns out to be a really good thing because everyone will be itching to, to get their hands on something new and they'll want to get out of their houses. Yeah. And I think, you know, but I think also something this experience is teaching us is that our homes are the most important thing in our lives besides our family and our friends and how we, you know, live in our homes and the things that we surround ourselves in our homes, um, how important that is. I mean, we're, <laughs> we're obviously trapped in our homes, so we have to like really like it. So I think you know, as a deck, as decorators, um, and, you know, communicators of, um, beauty, you know, this is not necessarily a bad thing. It's the, you know, it's like, we're, 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 we've always focused on people's homes. And I think now everyone's going to be focused on their own home. I agree. I, I wholeheartedly agree. I've said that all along. I feel like I'm so fortunate that throughout this experience, I'm in my home and it's comfortable, it's functional, I can find beauty here. And not everybody's in that place. You know, right. not everyone has prioritized their home. And I think now moving forward, like you said, to echo your thoughts, people understand just how important our homes are because it is where we go to retreat from the rest of the world, whether by choice or not. And it's where we recharge, where we can really become our best selves and and fulfill that that um, potential that we have for, for living in a beautiful way. So hopefully this is teaching people just how much that matters. And for the design community, my hope is that that will mean that when we do come out of this, we come back stronger because everyone will understand that this is important work and mm -hmm. home really matters that they'll want to invest in their homes. Yep. Totally agree. Home is where the heart is. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> So Mark, switching gears a little bit, what advice would you give to someone who's looking to change lanes and make a career switch? Is there a piece of advice you wish you could have given your younger self? Well, I think that the, I was lucky that I learned this early. Um, you know, I feel like I grew up in a generation where we were kind of like, we kind of thought we needed to get certain types of degrees and go to certain types of schools. And that was more of the focus than truly tapping into um, your God-given strengths and um, talents and abilities. So I'm very glad that, you know, at a young age, right out of college, I shifted into a more of a creative field. I could have seen myself easily not doing that. So my advice to parents, my advice to young adults is to, um, you know, pinpoint that thing that you love the most and, you know, focus your energy and your time on that. And I think su success will come. Um, I always, you know, I, when I was doing my first book tour, one thing I would always say, and I'd really believe it. I said, if you look, if you, you look at a young child 
you know, even a five-year-old or a four-year-old or a three-year-old or, or, and look at what they gravitate towards. Like, you know, what are they, what are, what are they interested in? And it's very clear what they love and what they're passionate about it. And I think it's a, you know, it should be assigned to parents on what, how to encourage them, you know, in those particular things that they're fond of, whether it's sports or whether, whatever it might be or art or whatever, to encourage that to be a part of their learning program and their teaching program. And I, uh, I believe with all my heart, you know, when I was six and seven, I was reading my mother's Vogue and, you know, I was, you know, looking at interiors and I was looking at beautiful Estee Lauder ads. I mean, this is what I loved. I mean, it was like, <laughs> it, it was in me and it's still what I love today. My path of getting there was a little bit differently, a little bit different, but, um, you know, I, uh, I just think, pay attention to what the children, what your children are um, into and encourage that because they'll be happy people. That's so important. I feel like there's probably so many people who can relate to that who were maybe pushed in a specific direction because it was the practical, the practical route, the safe route where they could have, you know, a good career and stability and all of that. And perhaps creativity and those, those God-given talents and innate interests sort of fall by the wayside and you end up coming back. If you're lucky, you circle back to it later on in life and not everybody gets to. Mm -hmm. I think that's great advice. Mm -hmm. As a multi-hyphenate, Mark, because you're an interior designer, a product designer, an author, um, a fashion designer, you do so many things, wear so many hats. How do you balance all of the different facets of your career? Because they're all demanding. How do you decide how to split up your time or does it just go day by day? Well, uh, it's an interesting question. Um, I, about the, you know, I don't know, was it September of last year? There was a certain moment where I um, really started thinking about balance and, you know, really like focusing on like, you know, having my own time. So I was tr started turning my phone off at a certain time and not turning it off to a, at a beginning of time. And I was going when the world was like normal, I was going on a walk every morning and I was doing some meditation things. I was trying to read more. So I was, um, that was my focus. So like to answer your question, it's like, I feel like you have, people have to be, um, if they have a lot going on, they got to like find that moment of balance and that place of like, that's for them. So that's one thing that I've learned recently. And I think it's made me happier. Um, the way I focus on, I mean, I have a really great team and each team member is kind of in charge of certain areas and, you know, I'm a to-do list person. I'm, I've never figured out the best way to do it. I have a to-do list on my phone and I write post-it voice and I have like also a, a notepad that I write in, but I try to like organize my days and my weeks, um, in some structural way of like how to approach things. Um, we have an organization that's really like focused around a calendar. So every single thing is calendared, you know? Um, so if there are different priorities for the week, you just make sure that there's time allotted um, to focus on those um, particular projects and those things. Um, but I think that, you know, going back to, I love everything we do. So, you know, people have asked me my whole career. It's like, you know, why do you do fashion and why do you do interiors and why do you do all the things you do? I'm like, well, I do it because I love it. So, you know, if you love it, um, and you have a vision for it, you'll figure out how to get it done. It's so true. I, yeah, I think you just figure it out and you make it work just like. Yeah, I don't think, I don't else. think my way, my way would be the right way for everyone. I just, <laughs> I think that. Well, you work so hard. I, I've always said that you're the hardest working person I know, truly. <laughs> and I'm happy that you found balance. Yeah. In the last think, few months. I think it's important. Yeah. To, um, I think you enjoy the success a lot more when you have that. A little balance. And I've also learned too, you know, I think that I was, a, I've always been a worrier, a natural worrier and um, worrying about everything, thinking about everything and overthinking everything in some ways. So I've also learned to like turn my brain off and like be able to talk to my brain and say, Hey, you can't control that. Or that's not important right now. Or this is a great thought, write it down and go back to it later. So I also feel like that's been super helpful in finding that space, that space in your brain to open it up allows for so much more creativity um, and it's really been a gift to be able to like, you know, um, think of things and like be able to manage things in that way. So I think that you can manage things on like a, a pad of paper and a calendar, but you also have to manage things in your brain and you have to give your brain a rest. So, um, I've learned that too. 
Well, you're going to have to give everybody a tutorial on how to do that. I've not gotten there yet. My brain still likes to talk to me, usually in the middle of the night when I should be sleeping. But I will say in this whole sort of coronavirus stay at home, work from home situation that we've been in for the last few weeks, one of the silver linings that I found is a little bit more balance where I'm not as frenzied and harried just trying to get through the day and through my to-do list for that day, running from meeting to meeting or taking calls or just getting through whatever I need to get through. But now things have slowed down and it's a little bit quieter. And I feel like I have time to really just sit with my creativity and come up with ideas like starting a podcast and whatever other harebrained ideas I may end up with. (laughs) Um, But it it's sort of allowed the space to do that. So that I think that's really inspiring to hear that you've achieved that. It's something that I still need to work on for myself, but it's nice to hear that it can be done and that you can learn to quiet the voice in one's mind that wants you to tackle everything at one time because you know, it feels like the world might end or everything's so pressing and we want to please. I think ultimately when you're a designer, you're kind of a people pleaser by nature and you want to keep your clients happy and the staff happy and vendor there's so many different moving parts and that can sometimes be overwhelming Mm -hmm. um so i'd love that you have found balance and well and i think that too the these this this moment in time um i think we'll look back on it as probably dare i say in it being a good thing because it's really teaching us what's important um, what do we really need and what we really don't need? Um, I think it's um, allowing the universe to breathe again. I think that the air quality will be so much better and the water quality will be so much better and families will be communicating with one another and um, sharing meals together and people will be more engaged with one another. And we've lost, you know, we've, you know, and I'm, I'm a huge, you know, I, you know, I, 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 like everyone else have over the years got lost in my phone and, lost in my head. And I do believe that this was, is meant to be in some weird way. So if it's meant to be good, will come from it. Um, and entrepreneurial, you know, like, you know, people with entrepreneurial minds, like this is going to develop like a whole new, like business type of commerce, you know, and like ways we do things and the way we think. And, you know, I think if we focus on that stuff, um, this is only going to make us stronger. I really do believe that. Um, you don't, you know, I also think it's a process, right? We didn't really think about this. I wasn't thinking that a week ago, but as time has gone on, I've started seeing like, you know, how we can benefit from this and um, ultimately realizing that we're all going to be just okay. It's going to be fine. You know, um, and the reason we're fine is because we're surrounded by the people we love and we, you know, fundamentals haven't changed. Um, and what's important has changed. So I think that, I think good will come from it. That's true. It feels like a giant reset button has been set. It has been pushed. You know, we've we've hit reset in so many ways. Mm-hmm. Like you said, for the earth to get a break from the way that we abuse it and then just individually and within our families, the things that we value, the way that we choose to spend our time, the way that we share our creativity or our specific talents with the world. I think all of that is changing. I, I really believe that everybody is using this opportunity if we look at it that way to take stock and think about you know what's working and what isn't and the ultimate beauty the the ultimate beauty that's around us is nature and all of us are going out and spending more time in nature in different ways we're all going on walks and we're all like savoring those moments that we can be outside um and that's powerful it's like you know I mean, there was a time, I think a year ago in my life when I, you know, after I've been working all this stuff, like I don't, you know, when I left the front door, I got to the car, I never looked up, I never looked around, I never like, you know, I never, it's always, always in my head. And you're not really observing what's going on around you, you know, like the ficus hedge or the blue sky or hearing the birds sing. And I know all this sounds so cokey, but, you know, um, I've been on this path for a while, but I think this is going to probably... um, this moment is going to, um, it's going to be illuminating for many people, this kind of thing. Um, I think it's going to be important. So Mark, as we wrap up, I have one last question for you, which I think sort of relates to what we've been talking about. What is giving you hope right now? Well, I think beauty, the simplest of beauty is all around us gives me hope. Um, but I think, um, what I'm really like, 
noticing is the acts of kindness and courage that we're starting to see. There's these fun little Instagrams, you know, this happiness Instagram. And, you know, I, I was really moved by um, Mario Coma, the, the New York governor, when he, when he does his press conference, he always brings compassion and love and um, empathy into his um, talks. And I think that's something we've been lacking for, for, for a few years now. And um, it's so nice to hear, you know, someone say that. And I think that that's um, what gives me hope. Gives me hope because at, at human's best, they're good people. Um, I think there's a lot of people who think that at human are just naturally bad people, but I think humans are fundamentally good people. Um, and I think that um, this will draw out all that goodness. Um, you know, New York will be stronger and better than ever, and they've gone through so much. But, you know, just like 9-11, this is another moment in time. You see that community, you know, stepping up and making it happen. And that's powerful. I mean, that's really, really powerful. So that's what gives me hope. Absolutely. It does feel like we're all in this together. Well, Mark, thank you so much. Oh this has been so inspiring and so uplifting. <laughs> and well, I have my list of things that I need to work on, including not counting on list of things in the middle of the night and finding <laughs> that mental clarity. But thank you so much for sharing your experiences and um, your story with us. It's well, been great. Well, thank you for having me. So I really, this is, this has been nice. It's been a, uh, a nice creative departure from the normal day too. So it's been lovely to do it. Thank you. I'm so glad. All right. We'll talk soon. Okay. Bye. Mama. Bye Mark. That was interior designer, product designer, fashion designer, and author Mark D. Sykes. For more inspiring conversations with creatives, visit us online at thestylefilespodcast.com. If you like today's episode, please subscribe at Apple or Spotify or wherever you subscribe to your podcasts. And if you really enjoyed today's podcast, please consider rating and reviewing us. It only takes a second and it really, really helps. So if you enjoyed what you heard today, please consider giving us a nice review. Thank you.